Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. Well, today we are going to look at the signs and wonders associated with the day of Pentecost. In the very first chapter of Acts, we saw how God was preparing his disciples for this very day. Jesus had made sure that his disciples had first-hand knowledge about all of the essentials about himself. And then he made sure to jog their memory about everything that he had taught them for those three and a half years about the kingdom of God. And finally, he gave them their assignment about what they were to do when he had physically left their presence. And then in front of them, he rose to heaven again in a manner that they could testify to firsthand. Now, post-ascension, the disciples knew what they needed to do, right? They just needed the power to do it. Even there, Jesus had promised his disciples that they would be given a special power that they would need to, to complete and accomplish their assigned mission. On the day of Pentecost, this empowerment promised by Jesus was fulfilled. And this is how it all went down. Firstly, the action. It starts with the sound of a fierce wind like a hurricane filling the room. Then something like a tongue of fire came into the room and separated into smaller individual tongues of fire and rested on each person's head in the room. And when that happened, each disciple was filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in different languages as the Spirit of God enabled them to do so. Before we move on, I want to just point out some similarities between the images we see here of the wind and the fire uh, in this passage with those of the Old Testament. Well, the most a well-known example of a spectacular fire in the Old Testament is when, is when God appears to his people at Mount Sinai when, they, when God was giving the law to his people, right? And at that time, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 17, it says, the appearance of God was like a devouring fire. If you rewind the clock a little bit from that point, you will remember that when Moses encountered God the first time in his life, it was also in the form of a fire, in the form of a burning bush that did not burn. There is plenty of wind imagery in the Old Testament as well. In Job chapter 38, verse 1, God appears to Job out of a whirlwind, right? And then right there in the beginning of Genesis, the Spirit of God was described as hovering over the waters, and God was blowing his spirit into Adam's nostrils to bring Adam to life. That's certainly an, an image of a wind. On the other side of the Bible, coming back into the, the Gospels, we find that in the Gospel of John, he describes God's spirit with the metaphor of wind that blows wherever it wants to, wants to in ways that we cannot predict. So the visuals on, at Pentecost 
both of wind and fire, would have been clearly understood by God's people as representing the presence of God in the midst of his people. But as we wrap up the symbolic imagery um, here, I also want to point out another connection to the imagery with Jesus' baptism. Because if you remember, when Jesus was baptized, the, the Spirit of God, we are told, descended upon him and rested upon his head like a dove. In our case, the wind and the fire come together and is shaped like a tongue, and that separates into individual tongues that then fly over and rest over the heads of the individual um, disciples gathered there, a little bit like the bird described in Jesus' baptism. So all of this would make it clear that the images um, of the signs of the day of Pentecost were pointing to God's presence coming into Jesus' disciples in a way that was almost parallel to Jesus' own experience at baptism. And when the presence of God came onto his disciples, it was to enable them to, um, to empower them and give them a special power um, that they would experience um, on the day of Pentecost. So what is this special power? And this special power is the capacity to speak that the disciples received. Well, we are told that as the special power came upon the disciples, they started speaking about the wonders of God in all kinds of different languages. Let's just meditate upon that, that content for a minute. Now I'm speaking for my gut because it doesn't elaborate what they are talking about when, when they say that they started speaking about the wonders of God. But I can be sure that when they were speaking about the wonders of God, they were speaking about the amazing wonders of God's creation. They were speaking about the wonders of God's goodness. They were speaking about the wonders of God's love. And they were speaking about the wonders of God's great salvation plan for the world, which they had just experienced themselves. Now, with this uh, uh, a little bit more uh, content of the wonders of, of God that is uh, bringing to the top of our minds, uh, when we think of the phrase wonders of God, let's look to the other part of the miracle, right? All the disciples, they were speaking the wonders of God, but communicating these things in languages that they had never known before. We are told that these disciples were inspired to declare the wonderful works of God. And when they were doing that, there was this loud sound that came. And, and when that happened, they rushed to where all the people were gathered. And the people there uh, were hearing their native languages spoken or their heart languages spoken by these disciples. What the, what the people hearing all of this would have experienced is really hard to explain. But it reminds me of a time when I had gone to Vietnam on a mission trip many years ago. And the very first day um, of my time in Vietnam, the people were, uh, were gathered in the church and they were singing a chorus in Vietnamese. And the amazing thing is, I knew exactly what they were singing 
because they were singing the chorus, this is the day in Vietnamese. And because the, the tune was similar, I knew exactly what they were singing. And so, um, you know, I was just moved to ask them to teach me how to sing this as well. And so they sat and wrote this uh, phonetically and I learned how to sing Vietnam, uh, this is the day in, Vietnam, in Vietnamese. And because I'd gone um, with a bunch of American friends, I, I managed to convince them to, to learn this with me as well, um, so that we could uh, sing this back to them. So on the last day of our trip, they had this big farewell party uh, arranged for us on a boat. And um, we, uh, they had this program scheduled. And so we went up there when it was our turn. And we surprised them by singing, this is the day um, in Vietnamese. And you would have been amazed to see the way their faces lit up. Because they had connected with Americans before, but never before that day had they ever heard an American speak their language, right? Now the thing is that many of the people that we were interacting with did understand English and they could speak English to some extent. So on that day, we could, we could have sang a song in English and they, they would have understood us pretty well. But understanding the meaning of what one is saying to you is not the same as touching their heart, right? When we sang to them in Vietnamese, it really touched their heart. And we could see it in their faces. And it is an experience that I will never forget uh, for the rest of my life. Now, I'm sure that, that the look that we got on their faces that day is a little glimpse into what these Jews, these devout Jews who were born in different nations and therefore had different mother tongues would have experienced um, and what is described there in verse 6 to 8. Let me read that to you again. It says, when, you, when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, weren't all these who were speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them speaking in our native language? You see, when you're speaking to someone who grew up in a different country, there are many, many barriers to communication. If they speak in a different language, the words and sound itself are different, right? But you can get words and sounds translated. Now, even if you were to translate the words, you may be able to understand the individual words, but you still might not understand or get the phrases that are used because the cultural references just don't make sense in translation. Let me give you an example. If you use the phrase, you hit it out of the park, right? We know what that means. But if you were to translate that into a, a, a different language from a, in a country that did not play baseball, then the person whom you're speaking to would wonder, what park are you talking about? And why hitting uh, something out of uh, the park out of where it belongs, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, right? They won't know what you're talking about. Then there are phrases that when you hear, it just brings back childhood memories. So for example, if you were to tell me, uh, use the phrase, praise be to God, 
I would perfectly understand what you're talking about. But there's another phrase that means the same thing, but it means a lot more to me. There's a phrase in my mother tongue, Malayalam, called Devatilu Stotram, which it is exactly the same thing in Praise Be to God, but it's the phrase that I heard growing up as a kid when people came to my home and they had a prayer meeting and they poured out their faith and they praised God in my mother tongue, right? When people use that phrase to me, it takes me back to my childhood. It speaks to me in a way that the phrase, the English phrase, praise be to God, does not speak to me. It connects to me in a way that the English phrase does not connect to me. That is what I believe happened on the day of Pentecost. These disciples who had those tongues of fire rest upon their heads were able to communicate the wonders of God in the heart language of their listeners. The listeners heard their native tongues being spoken in a different country by people who did not know anything about their own language. And those words were spoken in a way that would have hit the listeners hard and struck them deep inside. That's what I believe. This is how God wants to speak to anybody that he is speaking to. God has that capacity to speak to us in our native languages because he knows us that well. But the miracle of Pentecost is that God was able to channel this ability to his disciples so that now they were able to speak to those, to those Jews born far away in different countries with different heart languages. Looking at the other side of this, I want to point out something about the crowds there. Now, we are told that there was a massive crowd gathered there in Jerusalem, right? From different countries. The question is, why were all these people there in Jerusalem at that very moment? They were there, my friends, because they were celebrating the festival of Pentecost. This original festival was actually a harvest festival. And then over time, they, um, along with the, the festival of the first fruits of the harvest, they also began to use this festival to celebrate the giving of the law of Moses. Remember the other time that God appeared in the form of a fire. It also, it also so happens that the festival of Pentecost happens at a time when the weather is the nicest in Jerusalem. And so, um, this, because this happens 50 days after the, uh, the festival of Passover, Passover is one of the most important festivals for the Jews, but the weather is not that great at that time. So even though Jews come from all over for Passover, there are more people that come for the day of Pentecost than they come for Passover even. So if you, if you look at from a, from a Christian calendar standpoint, there are more people that seem to celebrate Christmas than Easter, right? It's the same kind of phenomena. There were more people that came to celebrate uh, Pentecost um, from all over the world uh, than came for any other occasion. And so the timing of this language miracle was also just perfect. It's kind of like if the Olympics were to be held in the United States and people came to the US from all over the world and they heard Americans speaking their native language, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing, isn't it? I mean, that's, it would, it would be some, it would be a shocker for most people, right? That's kind of what happened on that day on Pentecost. 
Now, I'd also like to say something else about this crowd. This was also one of the greatest gatherings of persons of peace at one place um, than probably any other time in the history of the Christian faith. And the reason I say that is because many of those people who heard God's word spoken to them in their heart languages were stirred up in a special way. And they wanted to seriously explore what that miracle meant for their lives. They had come um, and they had, they had uh, come to celebrate the festival of Pentecost and they, had, and they heard something miraculous and they had become open to hearing what the disciples had to say to them and to be obedient to it. Now we look at the reaction of the disciple, of the people who heard this um, in a couple of sermons down the line. Now, but I just wanted to point out that the people who heard the disciples speak on that day were very curious. They were asking, what does this mean for us, right? This is the reaction that you want when you share the gospel to somebody. On the other hand, this was a crowd. And there are all kinds of people in the crowd. So you also have some people in that crowd who were not open at all who are not impressed at all, who are not moved at all. And so, even though the disciples spoke to them about the wonders of God in their heart language in a way that they have never heard before, they, being the impossible skeptics that they were, um, all, they, all they could see is that this is something ridiculous happening and they mocked the disciples. You see, there are... This, there, are, there will be skeptics, no matter what. No, no matter how great a miracle that is performed in front of them, there are some people who are going to be unmoved. And this is an important lesson for us. So when you look at the day of Pentecost, there are three big observations that I want to bring to your attention. Firstly, when you are filled with the power of God, God is giving you a capacity to connect at the heart level with the person that God is sending you to connect with. This is uh, a Christ ambassador's most important superpower, I believe. I want to call this power, the power of being able to have your tongue on fire. Not the kind of fire that you experience when you eat spicy food at, at our house. <laughs> no, the kind of fire that when you speak, it reaches the heart language of your listener in a way that may even take them by surprise. When you make this kind of connection, that's Acts 1.8 coming true for you. Now, you don't need to be speaking to someone in a different native tongue to be that kind of witness, connecting in the heart level. Sometimes you can speak to somebody who shares your own language, right? But still not connect at the heart language. So when God is saying, I will give you the capacity to share and be my witness to people all over the place, including in Jerusalem, including your own hometown, what he's saying is, I am going to give you the capacity to connect with all kinds of people 
in their heart language. This is the power that God is giving each one of us as his disciples and as his witness. And I pray that when we, when we have the opportunity to connect with people, that we will be able to experience the miracle of Pentecost, the miracle of communication that Christ has promised to each one of us, his disciples. The second observation I want to make from the day of Pentecost is that when the disciples had this incredible spirit come upon them, if they had stayed in that upper room where this happened, nothing spectacular would have actually happened. But the amazing thing is that when this power came upon them, they all rushed out of that room and rushed towards the crowd that were gathered there. It's likely that they rushed into the temple grounds because that's the place where they had room and people had come together to the temple, right? And as they were speaking uh, in verse 6, the crowds came together in bewilderment because each one of them had heard their own language being spoken. In other words, the disciples who are inspired and empowered did not just sit in this room where this happened, but they rushed out into the streets. The miracle happens on the streets. And God made sure that the people who needed to hear them were drawn to the disciples in a huge crowd. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. When you have the inspiration and power of God, what's the natural thing to do? It is the same as what the disciples were moved to do. And that is to, to, be, to, to, to rush out and to be drawn to the people that God is drawing you to. Because then you are ready to be used by God to be a witness to some people. Don't worry about who you will encounter. Don't prejudge the people that you might be uh, asked to be a witness to. All of that is God's problem. But he will draw people to us when we are ready for it. Our job is to pray for a surge of God's spirit activity in us and then to simply obey and to go out and meet the people that we are supposed to meet. Finally and thirdly, I just want to bring to your attention that even when we have this incredible um, miracle that is happening in front of us, there will be skeptics who will not be moved. This can be frustrating. You think you have done all you can and the person that you are trying to connect to is simply not moved. Well, that shows you how hard the human heart is. That is all. But it also should encourage us to know that if people don't respond to us, this is not the first time it has happened in the history of Christianity. People did not respond to Jesus Christ himself. And people did not respond to the disciples where on the day of Pentecost when God's presence was, was there in front of the people in the most spectacular way possible. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to go for a prayer walk with two of my friends. It was a really exciting time because God opened the opportunity for us um, to, to actually connect with somebody. We, we were able to go and ask if he needed prayer. And he said, sure, you can pray for me. And he came out and we held hands. 
in a circle and we prayed and it was powerful. It was wonderful. But then as we went along, we met another person and we asked this guy if he could pray for him. And he very politely turned us down and said, no, thanks. Now, actually, I am glad for both of these examples in my prayer walk uh, time yesterday, because it was an opportunity to, to show to my mentees that even when you are willing to, to pray an unconditional prayer of blessing upon people, there will be skeptics who would reject even such an unconditional offer of prayer and blessing. There will be skeptics in our lives because there were skeptics even on the day of Pentecost. There were skeptics even when Jesus Christ shared the gospel in person. There will be skeptics till the very end of time. But our job is to sow broadly even over the skeptics, knowing that those whom God has prepared will be there somewhere in the mix. And those people will take that message that we have shared with them and bear incredible amounts of, of fruit to the point where their work will move the world closer to Christ's return. My hope is that this, this meditation of the events of the morning of the day of Pentecost inspires us to seek out an, a great outpouring of God's spirit on our lives so that we too would be moved to go out and seek people, to speak to people with tongues that are on fire, that connect to people at a heart level. And may no skeptic stop us from accomplishing the mission that God has entrusted to each one of us. Let us pray. A loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the miracle of Pentecost, for the gift of your spirit, for the power of your spirit, for the capacity of your spirit to enable us to speak the heart language of people all across the world. Because of you and because of your presence in our life, we can connect with people, maybe in our own families, maybe in our neighborhoods, across the cities, and even people from different distant lands who speak different languages, who have, who have grown up in different cultures. You have given us an incredible power. So we thank you, Lord, for both the responsibility that you've given us and also the capacity to fulfill it. And we pray that each of us would be good stewards of all that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.